Well, welcome to the latest podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel, speaking to you from my sickbed. This has been a bizarre week. Uh, so those of you who are not yet exposed to the flu, uh, avoid it. Uh, it's been one of those weeks, and boy, has it been inspirational. So this week's or this month's or I'm not even sure the scheduling anymore of the Murr, I kind of riffed on this a little bit, and it's been kind of interesting what happens when you end up sitting in your bed, snurfling and coughing and carrying on. You think about all kinds of stuff. And one of the things that was going through my mind this week was the whole issue of how inaccurate we economists have been when it comes to the economy for the last year. And I've complained about this before. I do it when I write, and I've been doing it in the podcast. We keep missing our forecasts. And, you know, that's kind of par for the course. But you begin to wonder why. You begin to wonder why it is that all the data and all the information we have, we keep missing what seems to be right in front of us. I mean, all last year, 2023, we were missing the quarterly GDP numbers by not insignificant amounts. I mean, we thought, for example, that quarter three would be, you know, 1%, maybe one and a half. We were even thinking that it could be recessionary. And we end up getting 5.2. That's not a near miss. That is a huge miss. And then we are looking at quarter four saying, okay, well, quarter three was an anomaly and it was driven by inventory build and that's all going to be gone in the fourth quarter. So we're going to be back down to that 1%, maybe even less, maybe recessionary. And we end up at 2.4. And then we ended up at the revision at 3.3. And it's like, okay, we've missed that one by a whopping two or three points as well. If you look at our expectations just today, I mean, we got job numbers, and they're better than we thought they would be, again. So what's going on? Why is it that we keep seeing data that would seem to point in a negative direction, but then we end up escaping it? And we see some of the motivations are relatively easy to understand. The consumer is still spending, retail is still strong. But one of the things that was going through my head as I was fighting this flu was that the economy is kind of reacting the way it does when a human gets sick. So you start to feel better, and then you slide back, and then you start to feel worse again, and then you get a new symptom that comes from a different direction. And then the next thing you know, it's like, well, the cough is better, but now I have a headache, and now the headache is better, but now it's somewhere else. That's kind of what's been going on with the economy. The economy has not really been experiencing death blow type events. It's been like having a chronic disease. Every time you think you're gaining a little bit, you slip backwards. It's like one step forward, two steps back. And if you look at the last year, we've seen a whole series of things. We've thought that we were out of the supply chain mess. Well, and then it reappeared. We had the issue of the Panama Canal drought, we've had the issue of the Red Sea attacks by the Iranian-backed Houthi, we've had the Black Sea mess, we've had issues of little less drama uh, going on in the South China Sea. All of it, though, has combined to really foul up the supply chain. And it's been in interesting and unusual areas. We've been focusing, for example, on all the rerouting because of the Red Sea. But what we didn't notice was that there was suddenly a shortage of maritime operations that can handle car carrying. 
So the entire automotive sector was set on its heels because there were not enough ships to carry cars from Asia to the markets in Europe and the United States. You look at things like labor supply. We have been dealing with this as a chronic issue for a long time and no real action taken to deal with it. Um, if anything, the things that we've been doing politically have made it worse. So you have a circumstance where, and we've talked about this before, where the entire boomer generation has reached retirement age by the end of this, this decade. Well, that's 76 million people. And more importantly, it's 76 million experienced people. So even if you're having some success in replacing the people who are leaving, you're replacing your departing workers with people with much less experience, much less background, and they're not performing at the levels that their predecessors performed. Productivity levels are way down. Are these things that could have been prepared for? Certainly. Were they? No. And one of the things we have to look at going forward is how do we keep this from being a recurring issue year after year, month after month? It's kind of like not taking care of the cold or flu and then being surprised that it keeps coming back. We're in a position now where we have to be a lot more preventive in our mindset. And that's something that's difficult for apparently politicians in particular, but it's challenging for business in general. It's one of those things where you have to anticipate a problem, find ways to deal with it even while you're dealing with current problems. And that puts a strain on resources. One of the discussions that's going to be hopefully front and center this year is what will happen with a new Congress, with presumably new political leadership at the state level, are there going to be attempts to deal with long-term issues such as debt, such as labor shortage, such as infrastructure? The potential is there to do something positive, but it's going to require a lot more coordination than we have seen in the past. And what distresses me is that there really doesn't seem to be a lot of that conversation. Now, I understand the political game, and I understand that at this point in the election, you're sort of playing to the faithful, and the big issues that appeal to most people don't come up until later in the year. So we still have time. There's likely to be more of a focus on the economy probably by midsummer and extending through the end of the election. But I've not heard much from either party that even discusses these long-term issues. And, and this is the sort of long-term health conversation that we need to have. It, this sounds like just a philosophical diatribe, and it is, but one of the things that I'm still modestly hopeful about is that despite all of these reversals, despite all these things that have been creating problems for the last year and a half, we still keep growing. And that would suggest that there is still a modicum of health in the economy, that we're still seeing a good development of, of consumer spending. We're still seeing the infrastructure bill beginning to play a role. We're still seeing pretty secure non-residential construction, even though that has slowed down somewhat. So my overall 
take on the care on the coming year is that we are likely to avoid recession. We are certainly not going to be hitting it in the first quarter. Uh, the numbers are already pretty good for this quarter. The biggest danger may be towards the end of the year when we become more preoccupied with with the election. But at this stage, we're stumbling forward. I wish we were a little bit more forceful with it, but we're at least heading in a positive direction. And hopefully by next week, I will not be so fever-induced so that I can make more coherent sense. Thanks very much, and I'll talk to you later.